Hey everyone, Sadie Lincoln here, and I'm so happy to be guiding this conversation around my favorite topic, how together we can redefine what success in fitness means. Today, I am so happy to be here with my dear friend, Ruthie Lindsay. Ruthie is a speaker, author, and host of the Unspoken Podcast. Her memoir, entitled There I Am, The Journey from Hopelessness to Healing, comes out this April. I had the opportunity to read it, and let me tell you, it is a true gem. I laughed, I cried, I fist-pumped, and I learned not only about Ruthie's story of incredible resilience, but also how we're all a part of her story. As humans, we universally face pain, struggle, and feeling lost. I know I do. And we all equally have the brilliance and choice to rebound, heal, and discover an even greater love for ourselves and others. That's why I'm so happy to welcome you to this conversation. We talk about so many rich topics, including the psychology of injury, our inherent worth, owning our bodies, the healing power of love, and more. You may be in a season of life where you're experiencing pain in your body or just feeling blue, And for many of us, we become numb to our feelings just to survive. My hope for you when listening to this conversation is that you're inspired to tune back into your authentic self and give yourself full permission to feel all your feelings and bring those feelings right into your bar three practice. When we move with honesty, we grow and we transform together in body and in mind. This conversation is a reminder that you are so much stronger than you could possibly know, and you are certainly not alone if you're struggling. Okay, Ruthie, I'm so, so happy for this moment. Oh my I've, I've dreamt of this moment since I met you. <laughs> oh, sister. I think... Was it two or three years ago? I, I'm losing That's track. That's not my spiritual gift with the number thing, but <laughs> it mattered whatever it was. It mattered. mattered. Um, you're one of those people, and I know this, I'm not alone in this now, that you stood out as one of the most um, charming, authentic, original human beings that I needed to know. Mm. And and you were so gracious and giving and loving of who I was I wondered, I'm like, is she real? Like, is she? are we really going to follow up as friends? Because she seems too loving to be true. But you're true. You're the real deal. Gosh, sister. <laughs> you're the Thank real deal. You. Oh, well, I instantly just, I feel like it was just this magnetic. I like saw you and I'm like, who is this woman? I am collecting her. <laughs> I want to be her friend. She's stuck with me. I just, oh, I was just drawn to you and your light instantly. So I, I mean, I'm so grateful that the universe uh, saw it fit to bring us together because what a gift. And I, I was introduced to you before knowing your story hmm. and then learned your story after and so I think that's unique because yeah. everybody on listening to this right now is about to hear your story, mm. which is such an amazing entry point. But I want you to know that I fell in love with you before your story. Yeah. And um, and I think that's important mm-hmm. because as we talk about your story and unravel it, that's really what it's about is, yeah. is not being defined by totally. things that might happen to us in life. Yeah. And I, I lived there for a long time. I was mm-hmm. very identified with this story for a really long time. So it's really sweet now to be able to talk about it and also not feel like it's who I am. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like this beautiful thing that happened that kind of ultimately brought me to this place. But it's like it has nothing to do with my identity. Right. Which is sweet, you mm-hmm. know, when it was completely my identity um, for a really, really long time. But Okay. Yeah. So... Let's start there. Okay. Take us take, take us back. I think it was at 17 years old, yeah. right? So 17, I was just a normal teenage girl. Um, I, very social, had a lot of friends, thought life was just great, you know. Hadn't had like a whole lot of hard things yet. And <clears throat> I was a senior in high school. 
I actually um, pulled out in front of an ambulance, and he hit me on my car door going about 65. Mm. So I broke three ribs. They punctured my lungs. My lungs collapsed. My spleen ruptured, and I broke C1 and C2, which are the top two vertebrae um, in your neck. And I had 5% chance to live, 1% chance to walk. Um, Ambulance driver. I mean, listen, if you're going to get hit by something... (laughs) That's a move because he <laughs> knew how to save me. You right. Know? Like he right. knew how to um, stabilize my neck or if someone mm-hmm. had tried to move and pulled me out of the car, you know. Right. Because I wasn't breathing any of those things. So um, I was in the hospital for about a month um, on life support, whole shebang. Uh, after a stable, back then um, when they did fusions, so they took bone from my hip, they used wire and spinal cord fusions. And that mm-hmm. was just the standard practice back in the day. So I was just so lucky. And I had youth and like good health on my side. I um, walked out of the hospital after a month with just this massive neck brace and half my head shaved. But I, I mean, it happened on November 2nd, which was my dad's birthday. I went back to school after Christmas and I graduated on time. I cheered at our last basketball game. (laughs) tallest cheerleader that And this ever is was. in rural Louisiana. South Louisiana. Mm-hmm. I grew up on a farm in the middle of nowhere, mm-hmm. like tiny, one school, you know, tiny, 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 tiny. Mm-hmm. Like you could be six feet tall and be a cheerleader because there just weren't that many people. <laughs> I don't know if I'm any good at it, but I, I loved love it. imagining you a cheerleader. Oh my God. It was no one can sight. see you, but you're how tall are you now? I'm almost six one. Yeah. And you were and six. I was this height at 13. Yeah. <laughs> Thus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, you know, went back to school. If I danced, I'd get sore. But Mm -hmm. otherwise, like, I really didn't have any residual effects. All my scars are hidden by my clothing, my hair. I was very disassociated with the whole thing. Like, I, which now I know is, like, so loving to do to, like, survive. Right. Um, But, like, I would talk about it totally in third person, like it had happened to someone else. And Mm -hmm. I would be like, you know, it was just way harder on my family and my friends. And, I mean, I don't don't even hardly remember. It wasn't hard for me at all, which— Hello. Like I was chained to a bed so I wouldn't pull my, you know, life support out of my throat. Like it was a very traumatic thing, but I completely disassociated. So I went Mm -hmm. to college, um, had, you know, some like eating issue stuff, but overall still had like a really good experience. I had tons of friends, um, Mm -hmm. very disassociated the whole time. Didn't cry the whole time I was in college. Was just like everything was about being okay and smiling and being, you know, friendly and had, yeah. Very disconnected. Um, moved to Nashville right out of school. Met my first boyfriend. My parents were very stoked that he was male because they were convinced I was a lesbian. And I'm like, that would be so great. I would love it if I liked girls. But unfortunately, that's not my journey. Um, so we um, dated for about... 10 months and I was trying really hard to like love Jesus in that time and uh, felt super guilty about sex. I got married 10 months later. Sweet little souls. We were so <laughs> earnest and trying yeah. so hard and just idiots. And <laughs> we <laughs> knew nothing and just were like excited about our lives. And, you know, mm-hmm. I had all these dreams. I went on, he's this incredible musician, I went on tour with him, um, just living really a fun existence. And about a year into our marriage, one day, kind of everything turned upside down. I was walking in front of this like Starbucks and this crazy shooting pain went up my neck, um, dropped me to the ground. Like I, I think I passed out for a second, blacked out, left with this crazy migraine. This this pain started happening all the time. Like it Just scared the shit out of me. I remember debilitating. Debilitating. I remember thinking that I had been shot. Mm-hmm. Or that I'd been struck by lightning because it was that like that sharp of a shooting pain. Right. Um, and this started happening more and more often. So I started going to see doctors. Every time I'd go to the um, doctor, they'd uh, want me to get a film. And every time I'd do it, they'd be like, oh, that's just the magnet, the machine interacting with the wire from your fusion. But everything around it looks fine. We tried all these different therapies. Nothing helped. Then they started me on narcotics because I was just not functional. Like right. I was in so much pain. Mm. And that sent me on its own downward spiral, and I'll spare you all the details, but essentially I lived in my bed for about five years Mm. on every drug under – I mean, by the time all was said and done, I was on, like, the highest level of fentanyl patch, morphine, hydrocodone – I mean, sleeping pills, just – everything. And I just watched TV and I laid in my bed and I ate my feelings and I was disassociated and I was so depressed and a shell of myself and Mm -hmm. in so much pain and like couldn't function, you know, which you can imagine how 
like my sweet, the man. I mean, can you imagine how hard that would be to, we were so young when we got married and like that happened a year in. So after about almost five years, my mother-in-law was like, you know, I can't, I'm just going to send you to another doctor. I know you've tried all these different doctors, but it can't hurt to try one more. And like insurance never covered anything because it was pre-existing. So I was like, well, she was willing to pay for it. I'm like, bless your heart. They can't help me, but okay. So we go to this new doctor. He was like, I can't tell you what's going on until I see what's under that spot. Um, Basically this $50 x-ray showed that one of the wires from that first fusion had broken and pierced my brainstem. Um, And which I imagine is it's a miracle that you yeah. are even, if it, your yeah. brainstem, that you're even walking. Well, you know, thankfully they spared me at the time and told me that I shouldn't be walking. And then if I didn't get it out, I wouldn't be walking. And like surgery itself was super high risk of paralysis. Mm-hmm. What I found out later, actually I found out I was doing Dr. Drew's podcast and I was telling uh-huh. him this and he was like, no, Ruthie, um, you shouldn't be alive. You shouldn't be speaking. You shouldn't right. be able to breathe. Like I didn't know that. That's so much to take in. Just yeah. that information yeah. is overwhelming and I'm the only human that's ever had that wow so I'm like it's like such a miracle that I get Mm -hmm. to be here you know Mm -hmm. so um I mean it was terrifying I was so scared um uh, gosh a lot happened around that time a few weeks later my dad was coming to see me to tell me that he would sell our farm so that I could have the surgery um and he had stopped to visit our Amish friends on the way because we have Amish friends because he Mm -hmm. plowed our garden with a mule. He was like the most precious bun that ever was. (laughs) And um, we don't know exactly what happened because no one was around him at the time, but somehow he fell down a flight of stairs. Yeah. And ended up um, passing of brain damage. Mm -hmm. And this was within just a few weeks. Oh my goodness. It was just the darkest. um, Yeah, it was just so dark. And I just, I remember thinking like, I'm going to wake up any minute. Like, this cannot be my life. Mm -hmm. This cannot be my life, you know? And um, it was just, it was so devastating. Not just like for me and my family, but for like, he was just this light, you know, like um, I love telling a story, but when we were children, every time we'd leave him, he'd say, I love you so much. Remember your manners and always look out for the little guy. Like mm-hmm. that was his thing to love people that everyone else was missed, you know? Yeah. So my godfather. What a beautiful up, thing to carry on. Right. Yeah. And he did that so beautifully. And my godfather ended up setting up this medical fund in his honor. And he, um, all of a sudden these like checks started coming in and people would be like, mm-hmm. your dad bought my prom dress. Your dad sent me on my senior trip. Your dad fixed my roof. Your dad pays my rent. I mean, on and like the full amount of money was raised for me to have this crazy surgery. Wow. Just cause he loved people. Yeah. So well. we had nothing like right. literally, you know? Um, so I ended up choosing Mayo. They um, went in, they took the wire out and took bone from my other hip, and then they refused it with titanium screws. Um, it was a whole big thing. I'll spare you details, but it was a lot. And But I left there walking, like with yeah. the wire in my hand, with wow. another neck brace, with another shaved head, you know. Right. But I left there walking, but I ended up getting like a different type of like a lot of nerve pain. And mm-hmm. so I basically walked straight back to my bed and was even more depressed because like, I was still in so much pain. And then I was like, this is my life. Like, there's nothing to be done now. And this is, I'm going to hurt like this every second of every day for the rest of my life. And it's just going to get worse. And it did get worse for about 15 years. And mm-hmm. I um, finally. And at that point, did you want for someone to just fix you? Oh, just that's be, all. Like, fix me. Fi- literally, that's like, that was what the doctors were supposed to do in my head. You right. Know? Like, you fix me, make this better, and then I can get back to living. Right. How it used to be. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, you know, I've just, I felt so broken and so devastated. And I was way more depressed after that just because like I was on even more drugs. Wow. And so I lived in my bed for about two more years. Mm -hmm. Um, And then a lot of things kind of came to a head. My, um, my marriage ended. Um, I just had a complete, I used to call it a nervous breakdown. Now I call it my awakening, but I yeah. mean, I had a wall like you just can't imagine. I had stopped sleeping completely, um, which makes you feel insane. Mm-hmm. And I was on so many drugs. I was just a shell of a human and I wanted to die. Like the idea of death sounded like the sweetest respite to me in that time because mm-hmm. of just how desperate and miserable I was. And I just didn't want to go on. Mm-hmm. And 
I had to move home. I couldn't take care of myself. And my family stepped in and they were incredible. Um, but they were going to like send me away to get help because I was not okay. And that my fear of what other people thought motivated me literally the next day to start weaning myself off the drugs because I was like, you are not sending me away. Right. <laughs> I, my just ego and pride, you know, I was truly. And perhaps another well, there something was a inside subtle, of you. Yes. There's something inside of you. Because yes. I have to tell you, just hearing that, and I know your story because yeah. of your book, which yeah. I, I, you know, mentioned as I was introducing you, it's the most amazing memoir, mm-hmm. honestly. Top three memoirs I've ever read, oh, honestly, Ruthie. Sadie. Hands down, I devoured it. Mm. And reading the story, you yeah. know, it's even, you know, all the details in between. And then knowing you now so full of life, mm. so opposite yeah. of that dark, dark time. Yeah. It's so, it's so amazing. Mm. So that moment, so that you had yeah. that shift. Like, yeah. talk about that shift Something. of like, because yeah. so many of us relate to it. And, and I also want to just throw out there. Ruthie and I just went to a retreat together, and this was a theme that we, and I realized it wasn't just me. It's everyone thinks this. When you hear someone else's struggle, it's easy. I think it's it's a human condition. I know I do this where, oh, my struggle's not, yeah. not as big as that, mm-hmm. or my dark times aren't as dark as that. Yeah. And so they're not worthy of oh. me being depressed or mm-hmm. sad or feeling broken, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, but they are. Yeah. That's just a story. It's a story. And I think what what happened to you is a magnified, very magnified Mm -hmm. example Mm -hmm. of what so many of us go through. Pain, hurt, despair, grief. It's so real. It's so universal. And it's so so universal. I get really sad when, because I get this a lot when people preface like, I mean, my pain's nothing like yours, but, you know, and I'm like, oh, your pain is so valid. It's so real. There is nothing to dismiss here. Like mm-hmm. it's, that is, that is your experience and it is so real and visceral. Like I honor that, you know. And equally real is the power of, I don't even know how to describe it. You describe it. The the power of resilience, coming mm-hmm. back, hope. Mm-hmm. What are the words to even describe how you started? So let's get to that yeah. side. So how you started to yeah. heal because. So, and it's been a journey. It's been, I mean. That healing, was, how you're yeah, healing. Right? That was, that's, it's been seven years. And like, mm-hmm. I will never arrive until I'm in the in-between again on after I've passed away. You know, like it'll be a forever. This is a lifetime thing. It's not like I've landed on this part. Like I've had so many ups and downs in the past seven years. But, um, you know, you get to a certain place and then like you're able to go deeper and then you're able to go deeper. So at that time, you know, the initial whatever motivation it was because of, you know, I thought it was just fear that mm-hmm. got me getting off these drugs. But it was just this sweet time because honestly... It took me about four months to get off of everything. And in that time, I remember slowly, like, my brain started coming back online. I started sleeping again. Um, And I remember having this vision of myself in, like, second grade when I got glasses for the first time. Mm -hmm. And I walked outside. I'm like, Mom, look at the sky. You know, Uh look at those birds. I had no idea. (laughs) And all of a sudden, as I was, like, weaning off these drugs, I was able to see again. Mm -hmm. But it was different and it was better and it was more magnified. And it was so much more beautiful yeah. than I could ever remember it being. Yeah. Um, and it was interesting in that time. I remember one night when um, I was just, you know, I went down the rabbit trail of a blog and a girl, a friend of a friend posted about someone. And this girl's blog post had the very beginning um, was this Khalil Gibran quote that the deeper sorrow carves into your being, the more joy you can contain. Just think about that for a second, because yeah. that's exactly what I was reflecting on when you said mm-hmm. that. Because you're in such a dark, deep place, beauty became so much more vibrant. Yes. yes. And joy became so yes. much more beautiful. Yes. And you can't have one without the other. We want right. to just bypass all the pain and suffering and just get mm-hmm. to the joy, beauty, you know, the depths that comes from. And we want to do that through numbing, yes. and whether it be medications yes. or shopping or oh, we all have those yeah. easy buttons that we press to try yeah. not to feel what we're feeling and to not right. experience the loss, the pain, the suffering, the tragedy, the whatever it is, because everyone, I mean, like you said, pain is universal Yeah, and we will do anything like mine is usually food, mm-hmm. um, entertainment, 
you know, mm-hmm. just anything to not actually feel what I'm feeling because it feels so big at times, you know. Mm-hmm. And so even just knowing that to be like gentle with yourself and you see yourself doing these things. But as you know, that time was so sweet. So I remember hearing that and literally started crying so hard because I was like, that is going to be my story. Mm-hmm. I am going to get to experience joy on the deepest, most beautiful level because of all of this. And um, that mm. kind of became my like mantra even like that was that was like my driving force. You know, I'm going to look for beauty. I'm going to speak about it. I'm going to speak it out loud. I'm going to search for it in every little nook and cranny. Like that's going to be my new drug, <laughs> you know, like wow. it really became my drug. And and did it feel like a choice in the moment? Oh, it I know it was one hunt. None of yeah. that was just in a like that was a natural like choice I have to choose this because my natural inclination was to shut down isolate check out avoid numb 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 that's what I wanted to do right but I was like that I knew I would die Mm -hmm. I knew I'd die I just have like this sensation through my whole body right now because I feel like that moment of yeah. reading that quote, mm-hmm. it's such a divine moment. Yes. And we all have those moments yes. if you're if you're open to them. Yes. And you just and we can't ever force them, right? It's mm-hmm. not something we can muscle into. Yeah. yeah. Um but if you're open to it, like things like there can be this switch, this like yeah connection a choice yes I feel like it's the soul or I yes. don't even know how to describe it yes. it's there's no words yeah yes mm-hmm. so you know since then it has been like such a journey I think I I jumped to okay I'm going to make this pain be purposeful I'm going to use it to help so many people and let them know that there's joy and there's hope and you know I had kind of resigned myself like I'm gonna my pain's you know, going to be worse every year, but I'm going to live the best. Like, I remember my brother being like, babe, you can lay in your bed and hurt all the time, or you can like get up and be with people and love people and hurt. And, and I was like, oh yeah, okay. Like it sounds so basic, but (laughs) I, I didn't do anything that would make my pain worse. So I did nothing because everything at the time made my pain feel worse. And so Mm -hmm. I was like, I, everything I started doing, like it did come at a cost. Like it was really hard, but I started making myself get up and do, and I was like experiencing people. And I mean, I hadn't traveled. I hadn't danced. I love dancing on a level Mm -hmm. I can't even describe. I hadn't danced (laughs) in years, Mm -hmm. you know? And I was like, yeah, I'm going to hurt worse the next day, but it is so life-giving to me. And it brings me so much joy, but I still had these very limiting beliefs around. Like I was just resigned to the fact that like my pain's going to continue to get worse. I'm gonna kind of have to suffer through that I'm gonna go 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 and then I'm gonna crash and burn but it's like life-giving and so I did that for a while and years years Mm -hmm. and I did I got to see so many amazing things and meet so many incredible people and it was so beautiful and incredible but the whole time I was still saying so disassociated because I didn't think I could go inside my body because I thought one I thought my body hated me and was like Mm -hmm. enemy number one and so I just I had to avoid it because I was in so much pain so I just would like my new numbing was like you know helping other people and like social media became another drug because Mm -hmm. I could share about the painful things and still have this identity around the pain story and people would be like gosh you're so brave and thank you for helping, you know? And so it was still, it was still a drug. It was Mm -hmm. still this like a way to avoid, honestly. Um, Even though I was like trying to do it for good, my, my motives, I mean, it was a good intention. It just, it was still very self-serving in a lot of ways too, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And it's. And that's so, such a good self-reflection just in that moment. So I just want to validate that. I just want to affirm that, that that's so beautiful that you can understand that. Because so many of us do that. It's a survival mechanism to be out in the world and have a face out in the world that's about helping people. I think most women, we're we're conditioned into a world where we're conditioned to be nurturers and that's our worth. Yes, That's our value is helping other people. People saying, thank you so much. You just changed my life. You just changed my life. And that... That is very giving. It yeah. is very generous. It is beautiful that you do that. But that is not you, your right. body, who you are, totally. like your worth. I had a real like rude awakening in the 
best. I mean, it knocked me on my ass. I did this um, week long retreat at this place called Onsite. Um, and you go, you give up your phone. You're not allowed to tell anyone what you do for a living. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's all like experiential therapy. And I realized in that week, because here was, this is how it would work. People would say, what do you do? Oh, I'm a speaker. What do you speak about? I share my story. Well, what's your story? And I could give a five minute Cliff's Notes version and they'd be like, oh, you're so brave. You're so strong, you know, mm-hmm. and I found so much worth, validation, empowerment from that. And all of a sudden in that week, I couldn't tell anyone what I did. And it was so important because mm-hmm. I realized how much of my identity was wrapped up in that story. It was, st- I knew my, I knew that my story was wrapped up in my pain when I lived in my bed because, you know, I'd be, people would be like, how are you doing? Are you okay? And I found so much worth in there. And I found a lot of comfort in their sympathy because it kind of like helped, I don't know, justify in my sweet little brain to stay in bed and not be able to show up and not work and do all these things. Mm-hmm. It, but I didn't know that it was still wrapped up in this pain story as I changed my life. So I, it was like right. so important. And I was like, wow, I really had to see how um, little value and worth I had in my just inherent because I was born and I am breathing and then I am worthy. Not for anything I have to give, not for anything I have to offer this world. I am worthy. And I I didn't believe that at the time. I mean, Mm -hmm. I think we're born knowing that and then life happens. You know, trauma happens Mm -hmm. and we forget. And so it's this remembering like, Mm -hmm. that's not who I am. And it was painful. It was almost like a some it almost felt like a bit like a death. I was like, whoa, that is that's important. And that's like become a bit of my, you know, that's been the journey of to come back home. And and honestly too, writing the book was so I mean, we've we've talked a lot about this, but it took me on such a roller coaster because I I had to go back in and right. relive. I had to, you know, re-traumatize yeah, myself. That's traumatic. It was very, very yeah. traumatic. I yeah, that's hard. I mean, I had to rebury my dad. I had mm-hmm. to go through my divorce again. I mm-hmm. had to live in that bed again. For year like it, you know, it took two years to write the book. It's not like you write an Instagram post and then it's done. It's like you're living in it. Right. And it was so painful and one of the most important things that's happened so far for me because it sent me on a deeper level of this healing journey mm-hmm. of these like limiting stories. Like I, I mean, it was hard to get out of bed again. My pain started feeling worse again. And I was just like, this isn't going to work. Like I couldn't, I didn't feel comfortable meditating. So I was like, that'll kill me to get quiet in my body. I, th- I thought that would kill mm-hmm. me. And all of a sudden it's like, I don't know. I think it was just, I mean, it wasn't all of a sudden. It was, it's all been this beautiful journey, but it brought me back home. I think it ended up being these, like hitting these walls. Every single one of them felt like these invitations to -hmm. come back to the truth that like deep down, we all know, we all know. And it was like something about that time I started doing really intensive therapy and counseling and the remembering of like, oh, this sweet beautiful body you're not broken right oh my gosh like through like dance and meditation and honestly being in nature and being in community it's like this remembering of like this beautiful body has been holding me all like holding my soul yeah I, you know, it's the transient part. It's this, Mm -hmm. and like my soul, this eternal part, it's been holding that for me and loving me all this time. Mm -hmm. And like, I spoke so ugly about her. Oh my gosh. As a disembodied human, I spoke like it was someone else. And so what kind of like, like, like you're broken, you hurt me, you failed me, those kinds of conversations. My body hates me. I used to say that all the t- my body hates me. Right. Oh, and like, I again. I think I did. I've done the same thing over yeah. the years. It's 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 emotional. Yeah. To look back at that, I remember yeah. at 16 years old, standing naked in front of the mirror and just oh, hating my body. Oh my god. And same. S- yeah. So, and I I think so many of us, if you really dig in there and you list and you just that awareness that yeah. how am why am I talking about my body yes. that way? It's my body. Yeah. And to change that narrative. So yes. how do you, when you catch yourself, 
Do you still catch yourself talking to your body that way? I do. And what's the other narrative? Like, how do you, what are, because yeah. it, it, we can, I believe thoughts become things. Yes. And when we start to change talking about our bodies yes. as if we would, our best friend. Yes. Um, yes. And I love how you said she. Yes. She's so beautiful. Yes. Earlier you were talking about your brain, my sweet brain. Yes. It doesn't remember as much. But <laughs> yeah. I used to be so mean about it. Yeah. First off, I just, uh, I want to like honor that 16-year-old you. I just, I'm, mm. I'm so sorry that, <laughs> you know, like we've had so many stories put on us that mm-hmm. just aren't true. They're not true. And I'm so sorry. And we know that. We know yeah. better. Yeah. I think we know better when we're looking through Instagram or we yeah. hear the things or we compare that that is not our worth and yeah. that that's photoshopped or that's yeah. not really me or that'll never be me or that's a future ideal that I'll never get to. We know that in our yeah. brains, but we don't know it in our bodies. Yes. I, it's a practice to know it in our bodies. It is. It's a practice. It's completely, I, um, I don't know, it was two or three weekends ago, I was doing this like I did this like meditation and, um, and it, then I just started journaling and it was so sweet seeing what I wrote after. Cause I wrote out this whole thing. I was like, what if I treated like my body as my partner and my lover? And, you know, first off, I used to get so frustrated that I didn't know how to listen to my body. Cause I'd been so disassociated for so long, but I'm like, if you were with a partner and you had treated them horribly and you never listened and you only talk ugly about them and you ignored them and like mm-hmm. it would take a while for them to trust you enough to be able to like to, you'd have to slowly start spending time with them and then all of a sudden you'll be able mm-hmm. to hear what they have to say to you mm-hmm. and they're going to trust you to like honor it you know yeah and that's a good analogy I wrote this whole thing like if my body were my lover what would I do like I would want to cook for her I would want to like sleep with her. I would want to go on walks in nature with her. I'd want to stare at her and say the most beautiful, beautiful things to her. Mm-hmm. You know, um, our friend Hillary McBride yeah. told us that our bodies don't know the difference in our hands and someone else. So I can hold her. And that's neuroscience. That is, yes. You can actually hold yourself. Yes. Like I, And there's a sense of connection and yes. love. And Like I will go through and hold every part of me, especially the places where I have a lot of pain. And I'll say, Oh, you beautiful hip. What what do you have to say to me? And thank you for like bringing me home to myself. Like, mm-hmm. thank you. Like, mm-hmm. I honor you. Like, oh, hi, sweet shoulder. You know, like, I love you and you're safe. Mm-hmm. You're safe. And I'm going to be here and I'm going to take care of you now. We're safe. You're so loved. You're so loved. You know, and I speak to her because... So often I'll catch myself, like I'll say these like really ugly things. And then I'm like, oh, hi. <laughs> I'm sorry, sweet That friend. is so profound. Mm. That is so profound because we, I've suffered from low back chronic injury yeah. and I was so mad at my body. Yeah. I'm like, my, I want to go on a 10 mile trail run right now and yeah. you won't let me. Yeah. How dare you? Mm. Why are, you know, yeah. and I want to, um, you know, teach I just opened bar three, 19 classes a week. It's all I want to do. It's where my heart's at. Why aren't you letting me teach? And to realize that my, I was literally embodying my business that wasn't healthy Mm -hmm. and I was disassociated. I was so angry instead of listening. But when I made that switch and I I started to honor my back Mm -hmm. and honor my injury, Mm -hmm. that's when bar three lit up because we started to address modifications and started to say, wait, Universally, we get injured. We're human beings and we we have imbalances. But we're conditioned to push away pain, scars, injury as as shameful. Like it's, I was shameful of my low back. I hid it. I didn't want anyone to know because it meant I wasn't successful. I wasn't fit. I was, I didn't have my shit together. Mm. I was getting old. You Mm. know, I had these stories. And or I wasn't good enough. Mm-hmm. Like, I think a lot of us see injury as a reminder that you're not good enough. Yeah. And to turn that story yes. as, oh, oh, I'm listening to you. Yes. You're so patient with me, low back. Yes. And, like, and thank you. And thank you're calling you. me home. Mm-hmm. Our bodies are our home. Yeah. I like. And what do you mean by that, calling you home? Like, if I'm not in home, I, then you're disassociated living out there. You're not like our bodies, are, they're these like temples mm-hmm. that like, are the most loving things in the whole, like it just 
loves you and wants to be with you and wants to honor you and take care of you and protect you. And when you're not in your body, disassociated means that, is it that your thoughts are just away from your body? You're reject, you just don't even want to be inside your body. Yeah, you you feel like that would be like killing you. Like that feels like a de- to be inside here. It doesn't feel safe. And, you know, we disassociate for a reason. Like it's mm-hmm. it's really actually loving to disassociate. Like think about if you're going through a really traumatic thing in early childhood or someone mm-hmm. who's being raped or something really, you get, you get out of your body. You yes, get to survive. To survive. Yeah. And it works until it doesn't. And so yeah. often what's hard is we stay there. Right. Um, because we're scared and because of trauma. Yeah. And, you know, you've heard the book, The Body Keeps the Score. We're just, we're yeah. staying away. And because we're trying to push it down, it doesn't go away, though. Like, your yeah. body holds on to preverbal, it prenatal, it holds on to trauma that happens in utero. Right. And there's so much now, like, Peter Levine um, does somatic therapy and talks about this all the time. Like, you can go back in and take care of that baby that's in the womb that your mom, you know, was having a really, really traumatic time and wasn't able to, like, nurture you or take care of you or was on drugs or whatever. Like, mm-hmm. you can go in and love that baby and honor her and take care of her. Like, I I have in my meditation room and on the cover of my phone a photo of me at one year old. And yeah. I do a – she had some hard things. And I go in and I – love her. Oh my gosh. I like will imagine myself holding her and just attuning to her and staring into her eyes and telling mm-hmm. her the most beautiful, loving things. And as we would do as a mother with exactly, our child, like this. Exactly. Same, you are so yeah. deserving of that. Yeah. I am. We are so deserving of that. Love. And that's a leap for so many of us sure. to take that time to love ourselves that yeah. way because it seems selfish or it mm-hmm. seems wrong or, so um, and it's so incredibly simple in yes. a way and so foundational yes. to showing up and living a full rich whole yes. life because when yes. when we're not in our bodies we're not living fully that's right and you can't show up and really love other people because mm-hmm. you're just dis- you're disconnected and so yeah. i mean our codependency comes in it's just like i'm just going to take care of that person and then i'll have to think about my own stuff you know it's right. just because we're not living we're not living at our as our whole selves I was 100 and I and I it's a constant it's literally a daily sometimes minute to minute reminder because I Mm -hmm. live my natural state is disassociated in this because of the things that have happened now and right and I just constantly I like come back I I say this I don't know how many times a day in my head you're here I am here we are here I'll like, I literally mm-hmm. like, I'm brushing my, I'm like, I am here. And I'll just like remind myself because I'm off future right. tripping. I'm <laughs> regretting things yeah. in the past. Yeah. I am just zoned out. I, That's why in bar three class, we talk about that all the time. Yeah. That And my really dear friend and mindfulness teacher, Donda Pani says, whatever it is we practice, we become. Yes. And what we don't know is so many of us practice unconsciously, unconsciously. not being in our bodies. Yes. We practice, our thoughts are in the future or yes. in the past yes. and not present and alive in our bodies. That's right. So when we return to our bodies in yes. class, that's literally why our language is all about feelings. Yeah. You know, how do you feel right now? You know, um, even sensation tactile, like yes. are your feet rooted to the floor? Yes. Do you feel your belly expand on an inhale, on the exhale? Mm-hmm. What do you need right now? So the yes. next question is, how do you feel? What do you need? Mm-hmm. And then proceed with purpose. Mm-hmm. And that is a practice. That's what. That's really what Bar 3 is all about yes. at the end of the day. It's way less about all the other things you think right. of with fitness. It's a practice of bringing our awareness into our bodies yeah. as they are in that moment. Yeah. And being present and alive and honest. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's, I don't feel good in my body today. Yeah. Yeah. But then just listen to that. Yeah. And I love the added Ruthie touch of, oh, sweet sister, you're yeah. just great the way you are, yes. <laughs> however you say it. I literally yes. hear your voice sometimes yeah. when I'm feeling Aww. bad about myself because you've done that work in such mm. a beautiful, gracious way for yourself. Mm. And you've shared that so openly and in such a raw way that I think so many of us can learn from that and to remember that that works, to imagine yourself even in a bar three class if you feel self-conscious, wrapping your arms around your younger self. Like, What would you say to your little girl if she felt 
yes. awkward or off the beat or, or didn't wear the right thing or, or yes. yeah you would just wrap her up and also so you're love. so good the way you are exactly you're perfect right now mm-hmm. I um first off just want to say like the work that you're doing is so that is so profound and it's so countercultural to what any like anyone's really doing like it's just I was so moved like I got to go with you to Austin last year and I had for not done retreat. for your retreat yeah. for your bar three retreat and I had not done a group class because a I just I still had a lot of fear around like hurting myself or not knowing what I'm doing and just stories just old stories right and I I left there. I could not stop crying. It was the most beautiful. I felt so, I felt like I was just wrapped up in a hug, (laughs) but it also felt, Mm -hmm. um, it was just embodied movement. Like I looked around, there were those of us doing totally different things. Mm -hmm. I felt so safe to like do something that I needed to do that my body was asking for that I, you know, and it just, it was like the most impact. I felt like I floated out of that room and it was mm-hmm. fun and it was emotional I wept I giggled it <laughs> yeah. was just the yeah. sweetest I don't know it was really profound really 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 profound for me I'm just so I'm so glad that's grateful. a gift I mean that's what I live for is those yeah. moments yeah um people who feel injured in some way yeah. it can be psychological injury yes. meaning not confident in their yeah. bodies self-image yeah. Or physical injury, yes. not feeling enough, yeah. and then coming to bar three and just finding a little piece of yes. I'm enough, just yes. a little bit of it yes. is like absolutely what I live for. Yes. And it's contagious. Yep. I remember that class. I remember your energy was contagious. Every mm-hmm. We all learn from each other. Yeah. When when we see someone else honoring their truth in their body yeah. um, and just taking that moment to be to think in our heads, I see you. I recognize you. Good job. Yes. Right. Good way to stand up for yourself. Oh. Way to take a posture that's right for you. Yes. If you need to um, do child's so pose beautiful. the whole time, good job. That's mm-hmm. so beautiful. Instead of us all being carbon copies of yeah. each other, trying to look the part, trying yeah. to do the right thing, trying to get to that picture of success, yeah. that image. Gosh, it's, you know, and something you said earlier, which I just wanted to come back to for a second, um, so often you know, we'll think that it's selfish to spend that time on ourselves or mm-hmm. it's, um, that's like self-indulgent mm-hmm. or to talk about yourself like that. That's like, you know, Ooh, that's like so self-involved or whatever. There's these stories that right. culture or, or the patriarchy or just things that we've like been taught and been spoken over us. And mm-hmm. it's so opposite. It's the most loving thing that you can do for your family that you can do for your partner I mean obviously for yourself but when you come home to your beautiful worthy body Mm -hmm. (laughs) um Mm -hmm. and remember because it's inside of you like it's a remembering um how inherently valuable and worthy and good oh you're so good that's like something I um, I thought I was broken and I was mm-hmm. a part of a church system that talked about like you're born broken, depraved, sinful, you know, and I believed that mm-hmm. for so long. And now I'm like, oh, my God, you, like it, it makes me want to cry. Like I just constantly will picture myself and I'll say, oh, sweet girl, you're so good. You're so good. Like I, I say that not in the, mm-hmm. like, you need to be a good girl and be, you know, right. Not, not that just no. inherent goodness. Right. You're deep inside. Yes. Your goodness. essence is yeah. good mm-hmm. and worthy. Yeah. And when I live, when I come back to myself and live out of that place, I live out of abundance. Mm-hmm. And so I'm able to love those around me so much better than when I'm living out of this, like, I'm not worthy. I'm not good. I'm not valuable. So like it's, it's, a, it's of service to the greater good for your family, for your community, for everything. I've had moments where I just feel like crap and I honestly don't feel lovable. Yeah. Where I'm like, I'm good. I'm I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> yeah. I'm saying it. I'm trying to believe it. Yeah. It's hard to it believe yes. when you're in that dark place. Yes. It's hard to remember. Yes. Do you how do you have any like experiences where yeah. to help? Because I know everyone who's listening understands what we're talking yes. about. Every single person. Yes in their heart and maybe they're nodding their heads right now because we all feel that way. Yes. We don't feel a, 
as strong as our neighbor, as yes. good as we should be, or the you know we have shame around being parents, yeah. we have shame around being partners, we have yes. shame around our bodies. There's just so much. So much. Even though we don't say it out loud, right. we feel it, yes. and so, but we know that's the story. Right. That's not the truth. How in those moments can we change that narrative? Yeah. Because I do know thoughts become things. Yes, one, and I think that's also what's so powerful. Like it's a practice. It's like yeah, it's a practice. Else. When I first started, it was the most awkward thing. I would look myself in the mirror, and I would have to look at like the white part. I couldn't even look my own self in the eye because it felt. I don't know if I just didn't think I was worthy. I don't know. It or there was shame. I don't know exactly what. Or like the story. between the eyebrows. Yeah, you know, I like, couldn't. <laughs> I couldn't actually do it at first, but I would make myself. It became this like practice, and I would say really loving things to myself, even though I didn't believe them at first. Mm-hmm. I didn't. But I just, I gave myself this practice and I put certain affirmations on my mirrors. Every time I was brushing my teeth, I would say those things, even though I would catch myself like saying really ugly things. And then I was like, oh no. And then, you know, it was funny. I was telling you this morning, like I'll, sometimes I'll just be like looking in the mirror and I'm just being critical. I'm looking at like my wrinkles or my sunspots and I'm just, oh, I'm getting older, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then, and I'll see this kind of scowl on my face and then I'll catch myself mm-hmm. and I will just, I'll soften myself. And I'm like, if I were looking at Sadie right now, if I were looking at someone I loved, I would look at them with the most tender, kind eyes. And I'm going to give that to myself. Yeah, I am so worthy. I'm going to look at my face as though I was looking at my lover's face, mm-hmm. at my partner's face, at, you know, and someone I love. I think that our brains, our bodies, our self, they hear us. Yeah. So when you're constantly speaking venomous, hateful, hurtful, painful things, like think if you said those things to a friend every day. Right. They are, we become what we hear, you know, mm-hmm. like we believe it. We believe right. it. And so it's a practice. And now, you know what's so, I more often I feel the other, like I, I believe myself. It's like that practice works. It, it works. You're crowding out the the message that we've been conditioned with the truth. The and I'm truth. able to come back to the truth because I yeah, still quicker. I yeah. I fall into these old stories, and yeah. my own trauma will send me on my own, you know, dark places. They one of the things I learned at on site is when your responses to things are hysterical, it's always historical. So when my, (laughs) when, when your response is hysterical, it's always historical. So there's something deeper. It's so much deeper that we just push down and never healed. So it's these invitations. I'm like, Mm -hmm. oh, that didn't have anything to do with that. Like I, you know, like if someone criticizes me, right? that's, it's hitting a scab. It's scratching the scab off a much deeper and I blow up, you know, or I'm like, get so defensive because that's just hitting that little pain, deep pain that I never went in and healed. And so it's always, it's just, I see it all as these beautiful invitations. And I, you know, I can, and I say this with the deepest sincerity ever. Um, Like I now can look back at um, the little girl with like an eating disorder. I can look back at Mm. the precious precious woman living in her bed going through a divorce you know um taking all those drugs Mm -hmm. and I see you know my neck injury all of it as every single bit of it was like a part of the things that I needed to go through to ultimately bring me back home to myself to do really, mm-hmm. really, really beautiful healing work mm-hmm. that I was always so deserving of. Right. But if my life had just been this great, like, I wouldn't have done the really intentional, yeah. you know, um, amazing healing work. And then when we do that healing work, we get to go out and just be mirrors because this isn't this isn't yeah. just for me. This is for everyone. This is all of ours. You wrote also you wrote about your book that I hope this is a flashlight for you if you're worth of your worth and love and goodness. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. Like shining a light. Yeah, that's already there. Mm-hmm. We just need reminders. Like mm-hmm. I write at the end of the book, I literally am like, when you when you close this, if you when you get off your stop, you turn off your light and this book is done, like, please forget me. 
Like, forget my name. Forget my story. Like, you don't need me. This is yours. This mm-hmm. has everything to do with, like, you are so deserving of healing. You are so worthy. This love is yours. This healing is yours. This goodness is yours. Like, I'm going to moonwalk the fuck out of here because you don't need me. <laughs> and you can moonwalk. <laughs> well, I, I can pretend. But, you know, it's just like we we get to just be flashlights of like the worthiness and goodness yes. that is inside of every single well, one of us. And I think when we're in that dark place to remember and just trust because yeah. it's so hard to know. Yeah. But trust that there's something amazing on the other yes. side. Really, really amazing yes. on the other side of despair, yes. grief, yes. struggle. Yes. And when I'm really like this summer was dark. It was a really, really, really dark time and so scary. And um, one of the things that I like became my mantra. I said it almost like psychotically over and over. I was like, this is not happening to me. This is happening for me. This mm-hmm. is not happening to me. This is happening for me. Right. And I was able to do this next level of healing that I didn't know that I needed to do. And s- that is a conscious choice. Yes. Again, back to choice yes. and trust. Yes. And I'm not a victim. Right. I lived right. in the victim. I was so defined by my pain story. Mm-hmm. And that was who I was for so long. Yeah. And what I love more than anything now, Sadie, the amount of time. I mean, if someone like follows me, of course, they know that part of my story. But it's really rare that we talk about any of this. Yeah. And the amount of times where I meet new people, they have no clue. They have no idea that any of these things happen. Like, it's just not even a hint of a thought of a question because that's not who I am. It's giving you the tools to be a richer person, but it isn't you. Yeah. It's not your story. It's still yeah. a part of you. Like, yeah. my low back is a part of me. Yes. If I hadn't had that trauma, and it was trauma. I was on yes. my hands and knees. I couldn't walk. I was yes. in my bed the whole thing. And if I hadn't had that experience, I wouldn't have created bar three around yes. being compassionate around injury and yes. modifications. And yes. and then that led me to body image stuff mm-hmm. and being photoshopped mm-hmm. and the devastation of that yes. and not even feeling good enough for like to sell a DVD yeah. or a book. Yeah. Like had I not gone through those dark times now, we're even more committed to real. That's right. But it's not me. Yes. Like the fact that I made those mistakes, if you will, of being photoshopped or doing things that were a counter to my core values, I don't have shame around. Right. Again, it's it's a gift because yeah. it brought me home. Yeah. Like you were saying to my core values. Yeah. What re- it was a test yes. of who I really am yes. and what I really care about in the world yes. and what really matters. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing I, I think about a lot is like if I find myself beating myself up or trying to do something to be seen, to be heard, to be recognized, to be loved. Yeah. Honestly, so much of my life has been motivated yeah. around achievement yeah. to be loved yeah. that I'll stop and now say what really matters. Yes. What really matters? Does it really matter how many studios you have? Yeah. Does it really matter, you know, those things? Yeah. Um, how many people came to your class or whatever the numbers are, right? right? And we all have our different versions of that, those measures of success. No. What matters is that in-between moment, grabbing a water bottle and having a moment of magic with one person or connection. Yes. Yeah. the most profound, beautiful. If you've like (laughs) had that today, what a successful, beautiful day. Yeah. Like that is, that's it. That's what it's about. And I do think group connection is so powerful. When you were talking about coming home and meditation, a lot of the personal work, like looking at yourself in the mirror, all of that is the good hard work. I call that the good hard work. It's work to be positive, to see great greatness in ourselves, to remember our souls. Like I do think that's hard and it's the good hard work. Yes. And that's a piece of it. A piece of it. That gets so elevated if you can find yourself in a room of other people who want that for you. Yes. Healing happens in community. In community. I really, truly believe. And, you know, you can, like, choose with your friends. Sadie and I were talking about this on the way. My best friends and I, we just made a conscious choice that, like, none of us talk about – we don't talk about body stuff. You know, like I, when I was younger, we just were like, oh, I'm so fat. I feel so gross. But look how fat. You know, we were right. just, we fed that narrative. And now, like, it's the most precious thing watching my, one of my best friends was a new mom and her, 
her owning her body and honoring it and her being like, I am an amazing mom. And we just were like, yes. Or even like living <laughs> yeah. everything. We're all so connected. When she got pregnant, we're like, we're having a baby. You know, and Amber was getting married. I'm yeah. like, we have a new husband. Like it's, we mm. live in this sense of community with each other and we mm. just, we go through the really, really, really painful things, but we're just mirrors of the truth of love to each other. Like we speak. And body. Like oh I God. do think body is important with women. Yes. Um, when we gain weight, when yeah. we our bodies change, yeah. when we were injured. Yeah. Um, to change that, not talk negatively about yes. it. Instead, reinforce for each other what it is to be wise and strong yes. and funny and yes. have character and beautiful and oh honest gosh. and yes. gritty. Yes. Like those are the people that I'm most attracted to in life. Those yeah. are the people that I love are the ones that kind of look like a hot mess sometimes. Yeah. That just, oh my gosh. That just let it all hang out. And I you mean, know. the fact that I've had on jeans the last few days are like a Christmas miracle. I'm like in leggings <laughs> every day or like cozy, softest. What I'm like, and it's yeah. perfect. It's mm-hmm. perfect. Like I... Can, you know, I'm showing up for me. Hillary shared an interesting statistic, Hillary McBride, about um, statistically people who become closer to get get to their goal of like weight or look external goal. The closer they get to their goal does not make them happier. Yeah. In fact, the reverse happens mm. because I got there and, and it wasn't the fix. And, yeah. It wasn't the fix. Yeah. And. I think that's also good to remember because we're always like, oh, damn, girl, you look good. Yeah. You know, I wish I looked like that. Yeah. That doesn't matter. Yep. It, it, it literally, totally. it, that's not truth, happiness, wholeness. Completely. Anytime we put any sort of external thing to bring us wholeness or joy, like, I mean, this is kind of the, but going back to what we were saying earlier, it's like, I just constantly was like, fix me, make me better. Doctors, fix yeah, me. And exactly. then they couldn't. And I was so much more depressed after that last surgery because I heard. Because you were fixed, quote unquote. Yeah. And yeah. they're like, okay, you're all done. Take your neck brace off. You're like ready to go. I'm like, I am in so much pain. I can barely, you know, and it, it didn't yeah. fix me. Nothing because nothing outside of us can, quote unquote, fix us. Right. You know, and I think so much of it is realizing that you're already whole. You are not broken. I mm-hmm. am not broken. There's this song um, my best friend Jed sent me the other day and I just cried so hard. The chorus is, I am not breaking. I am not broken. I am unfolding. Yeah. I mean. I am not, say it again. I am not, I am not breaking. I am not broken. I am unfolding. unfolding. And then he says, yeah. you are not breaking. You are not broken. You are unfolding. That's so beautiful. Yes. I think that's a good mantra for us as we practice bar three too, mm-hmm. because I really believe that practicing as or dance, yes. um, which you live in movement. I know <laughs> that about you. And that when we have we combine that kind of mantra with yes. movement, yes. it literally sinks into ourselves, yes. into our bodies. Yes. We embody yes. these new ideas and, and come home, yes. which is so beautiful. And, oh, I wish like whoever is listening to this right now, like I am just, I want you to hear that you are so worthy and you are so good and you're so beautiful and you're whole and you're not breaking and you're not broken. And this is all whatever you're going through right this minute. These are invitations to come home to yourself and you're so deserving. It's not about what's wrong with you. It's about what's so right with you. You are so worthy and so loved. You are love. And I just... I hope you'll let that sink in because it's just, it's your inherent because you are here, because you were born, you are a miracle and you're so deserving. God, you're so deserving. <laughs> that is so sweet, Ruthie. Oh. You're so convincing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and what's sweet, you, you, I'm sitting here with you is you have your hands around your heart and you're closing your eyes. And so you're saying that to yourself too, mm-hmm. right? It's yes. both. Yes. It's both. It's, these are the truths yeah. I remind myself of. Yeah. And constantly it's, I have to constantly remember. Mm-hmm. Thank it's you always so much true. for that gift, Ruthie. Oh. You are such a gift. You are such a delight. Mm-hmm. I love you to I pieces. Love I love every so single <laughs> inch of your amazing self. Um, and I'm so thrilled that so many people are listening to this, um, because 
everything, your story is, like you said, now our story. We're healing together. Yes. And um, when we share in this raw way, mm-hmm. we become connected and community is about healing. I couldn't yes. agree with you more. Yes. And we need each other. We need each other. Like yeah. women. Every single one of us. Oh, mm-hmm. God. Like, yeah. do you, like, I can't, um, I can't stress enough the need for women to come together like Sadie and I were recently at a retreat and Hillary at the end was like does anyone need to be held right now like what if we ask that of our, our women and literally all of these women came around and just held me just held mm-hmm. me like we can do that for each other that, I, I literally held your toes oh my god I was at I your feet love it. thank you they loved it <laughs> we so bonded. much they loved it so much but like we need each other yeah I know it was really just, sweet it's it was precious yeah it's and we so can important. do that we can do that figuratively yes. and literally yes. like holding each other yes. but also just in intention yes. and heart yes. in class you know in class my friend Sarah I shared this recently, but I just loved it. She says, she says to herself, you know, I love my body. I'm so, I'm so proud of my body. I'm so strong. And then she looks around and says that about every person in the room in her mind. And just that is so beautiful and so needed. Oh my God. Okay. So my final question, um, and one we're asking ourselves all the time, um, so that we show up authentic is Mm -hmm. what is your present truth? Oh, Gosh, I mean, I, I'm going to sound like a broken record here, but like I constantly, constantly say I I accept all of me. I am not broken and I accept all of me and I love all of me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm just so, I'm so worthy of that, you know, and That's I'm just, sweet. yeah, um, just my inherent worth. Mm. That is my truth, that I am inherently worthy. Well, thank you again. And all of you can find Ruthie on Instagram. Yes. So your Instagram is? Um, At Ruthie Lindsay, L-I-N-D-S-E-Y. And I'm about to update my website. It's been a minute, team. Um, (laughs) But I'm going to start offering like meditations and things um, on that. And I'll kind of be showing like where I'll be speaking and things like that. But my day in, day out stuff is really mostly on Instagram. And your book comes out in April, which I've had the privilege and honor of reading. And you guys are going to love it. It is going to be a smashing success. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing your story. Thank you. Love you. I love you so much.